Uh, Birder is actually a uh, QAnon style reference to the people who uh, worked within the Nazi government to overthrow the Nazis' good attempts at, um, like, I don't know what the Nazis were good at, but they, 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 the birders were the ones who wanted to like eat Jews and stuff. And so <laughs> when he says birder, he actually means he's getting rid of the deep state Nazis within the U S government. Is there anything that you people like don't see as a secret code to past conspiracy Illuminati Jewish murder rings? No. Uh, the Jeffrey Epstein flight logs. Oh, of course. The Panama Papers. (laughs) They're just like, look, Brian Singer's a great director. I don't know why people are slandering him in this way. Just like Jeffrey Epstein, he's a good guy. He likes him even, he likes women even younger than Trump does. (laughs) Jesus, he actually said that, didn't he? Yeah, Yeah, he said those exact, basically those exact. Uh, No, see, I think what I think hamburger actually means is it means that JFK Jr. is alive um, because Birder is so, a. I mean, have we just made all this content unusable by calling out both the Jeffrey Epstein and um, just a bunch of pedophiles in Hollywood? <laughs> I mean, no. Why wouldn't we be able to use that, Adam? I mean, <laughs> we free speech. We could. <laughs> How often have you said Alex Jones? We're doing an Alex Jones. It's not illegal. Okay. Well, that's just to cover my ass because I don't want to have to edit as difficultly as I might have to. Also, it's the best excuse because it's literally the excuse he uses. Like when he makes claims that like, you know, AOC is like actually like some sort of witch witch Jew, like he gets around like you know hate you know being people thinking he's as awful as he is by literally just being like it's a joke ha ha ha. He's <laughs> the original irony, bro. Yeah, I, I I love that like that like schoolyard level bullshit still flies because like that's the same thing where like if you're in seventh grade and you push someone down and they skin your skin their <laughs> knee you're like I was kidding I was kidding I was kidding. What if the knee consents? Huh? Think about mm. that. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I didn't drink enough coffee coffee this morning. Um, morning. Knees aren't capable of consent, so... (laughs) Actually, according to my bug theory of intelligence, the brain is stored in the kneecap. You know that theories have issues when they come into touch with, like, scientific fact, right? Number one, uh, the Earth is flat. I won't take take any shit for that. Number two, humans have brains like... It bugs. They're uh, distributed throughout the body. Is that how bugs have brains? Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know it's, we were taking the, the possibility. I didn't know we were taking the Freud approach to science. <laughs> I'm so high right now that it could be true. 
Sorry, you're listening to Red Star Oklahoma, the uh, world's premier entomology podcast, where we <laughs> take wild stabs in the dark about what bugs probably have. Trying to get all you bug heads your information, you know? I heard mosquitoes' brains are stored directly in their proboscis. It's called a proboscis. <laughs> is that the mosquito version of pee is stored in the balls? <laughs> <laughs> it is now. God damn it. <laughs> See, I don't Except know. He is actually stored in the balls, though. That's just true. I, so, 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 real Oklahoma topics. I don't know what I hate more: the wind when it's cold, or mosquitoes when it's hot. Mosquitoes when it's hot. I, mm. uh, I, I don't know. The cold wind is pretty fucking piercing, but the mosquitoes stay with you. That's where I would say they're probably worse. I agree. I just, at the same time, I sit here and I go, you know, here's the thing. I can go inside and escape the wind, and I can put on a jacket and escape the wind, but I can't escape mosquitoes. I guess I can. Not really. Cause yeah, because they have outside, spray. You're gonna get bitten, and then if you're going to... No, there's spray, gonna... Carl. Yeah, but the spray's a pain in the ass. Then you're sticky yeah. all day. You smell gross. It might cause uh, butt cancer. I, I I like the really good stuff with the uh, what what is it the deet? deet? Yeah, I like the deet. <laughs> the deet. one where it's like a Tom and Jerry style plunger <laughs> of mosquito spray. It, it it literally actually like you use it to gas your whole neighborhood like it's fucking World War One and then all the kids end up like uh, like they grew up in Pitcher. Well, I mean, if it kills children, of course it will kill mosquitoes, Carl. So, yeah, that was actually the, the selling the points. <laughs> Planned Parenthood uh, had some wild ideas back in the day. <laughs> God, I, I, that's uh, that's another great point, is that I never understand why it's like, oh, yeah, Planned Parenthood, the organization that, like, basically hands out pap schmears and rubbers to, like, 18-year-olds. Like, that's all that that organization does. And they're like, oh, they're killing children. When, for, like, all of the 50s, 60s, and 70s, they were like, here, let's paint your fingernails. Like, every white mother in the planet was like, here, let's paint your fingernails with lead paint. Here's a little bit of uh, unsterilized water. And uh, here's some DEET lotion. Why don't you make sure you really rub that into your nose and your eyes and, like, next to your <laughs> mouth. And then um, also, uh, here, carry this uh, asbestos. And also... It it won't cause any problems. And then Looks also like, at the same time, just like, what if we sterilize all these women of color? Hmm. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Have you guys never read the sterilization cases from uh, the Supreme Court? Three generations of imbeciles is enough. That <laughs> That is the Supreme Court's understanding. Well, like good progressives, we are all eugenicists. So. <laughs> like, but maybe though... <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about a problem called overpopulation. <laughs> yeah. I want to talk a little bit. I want to talk about a problem called uh, all the people who know how to do this are in South America. <laughs> well, they all got taught by MK Ultra, so. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Real but respect, but real. Mingala's Mingala's notebooks are still in a in a, uh, a a hovel of some kind on a Peruvian or Chilean mountainside. Oh, which one? Is, I think it's Chile. It's Chile or Argentina. I thought it was Argentina. Probably Argentina. Because there's that like exclusively German-speaking town in Argentina. 
There are just beautiful. There are just beautiful, dark-skinned, blonde Peruvian children who are like nine years old who are just wandering around the side. Like we will build the camps for the tribes. They live in the forest, and we will take some zen. They will never leave. I wonder if the Nazis in South America ever hooked up with the Confederates in South America. Because there are Nazis in Argentina and the Confederates. Oh, yeah, the fled Confederados. Yeah. That's actually. Well, I guess who... they did actually. Like, that's Bolsonaro for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Say that's actually Maduro. That's uh, Maduro is Mengele and. No, that's, that's Guido. Maduro is just uh, Stalin's hate me. <laughs> Many months has come and gone since I wandered from my home In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Many a page of life has turned, many a lesson I have learned Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong Way down yonder in the Indian nation Ride my pony on the reservation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born now we're down yonder in the Indian nation The cowboy's life is my occupation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born I'm Adam Burnett and this week we've got Carl Roberts and Stephen Lastman on the show and this is Red Star Over Oklahoma. We are a small political news podcast broadcasting about left Oklahoma. This week in national news we're going to be touching on the uh, Democratic uh, Party's uh, growing field of nominees, uh, what's going on for Venezuela and what it what it can mean for uh you having arguments on Facebook with uh, family members you only see once a year. Uh, before moving on to Oklahoma news, where we're going to talk about uh, some attempts by legislators to reduce the number of untested rape kits in the state, along with um, what the future legis- the next legislative session has in store for teachers, and whether or not that will meet their uh, proposed goals of the teacher walkout. Before, of course, moving on to a conservative reading list for the week. So. So uh, right off the top, I'm going to turn it over to uh, Mr. Lastman to tell us about Mr. Sanders. I mean, you know, it's already presidential primary season, a solid two years before the election. Um, We'll be just inundated with this for the next two years of our lives, inescapably forever. Um, And of course, you know, big name going on right now. Big BS, Bernie Sanders. We all love him. Um, The boy. He's a pog. (laughs) Um, But yeah, uh, as of this point, Bernie Sanders is still the most popular politician in America, um, polls well with a majority of the Democratic base, um, and has the largest name recognition in the party right now. And of course, establishment Democrats hate him. Um, They are already going after Bernie hard, uh, just trying to clear the way for whoever their candidate's going to be. Um, a lot of the criticism of him are the same criticisms you heard in 2016, except now uh, he has the name recognition and, uh, of course, is even closer to death, which, yeah, could, could 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 come back to be an issue. But for the most part, he's the only candidate you could even call left in the race so far um, in a very crowded field of Dems right now. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard is taking a strong anti-imperialist stance in her support of Assad against Pig Dog USA, (laughs) number one. I mean, Tulsi, does she even, 
she kind of barely even announced and was like, ah, sure, I'll do it if no one else is, <laughs> not realizing that <laughs> a hundred other people, it's a wacky races of Democrats <laughs> all trying to become the president. See, but I'm really um, excited about that because one, wacky races is like an empirical good. Two, the last wacky races we had was for the Republicans, and we got Donald J. Trump out of it. And I have to feel that was good. Like, well, and, and like I don't feel any camaraderie towards the red hat chuds wandering around the world. But I will say that as someone accused of being a Bernie bro, I'm pretty excited to move into this area where it's like all like any 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 wacky thing could happen. Yeah, like. <laughs> I'm just excited to go back to my job at the racism factory where I shush women to support Bernie, you know? That's true. We have a lot of women to silence over the next two years if we want to get our boy in office. God. Well, <laughs> speaking of who we'll need to silence, uh, Lassie, do you want to tell us about the, uh, the uh, a few of the names in the expanding race? Um, in the Democratic primary cinematic universe, we've got a very crowded <laughs> field. Oh, um, my God. <laughs> Um, most, uh, noteworthy recently is Kamala Harris, sorry, Kamala Harris, uh, recently announced her bid and is, uh, starting to pick up a lot of former Hillary staffers, which is making it seem kind of like what we probably all expected that she is going to be the establishment candidate that everyone wants, Hillary Redux, um, and if I, I imagine will be one of the front runners throughout the entire race. I really, I've, I've liked that she, there are a couple of things I like that she announced on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, even though like MLK was in jail like 30 times and would have probably maybe not like a prosecutor. I don't know. Maybe that's, maybe that's something that <laughs> would make sense. Uh, and most recently I saw her calling out um, Roger Stone on his uh, record as uh, being particularly vicious towards criminals, uh, which was just... <laughs> It's like, hmm, how did you start in politics? Yeah, so, so nice little bit of irony there. Um, and Kamala stands are getting real upset whenever people point out that uh, she did used to be a very, uh, very intense prosecutor. Because um, it's, really, okay. it's really not fair to point out her record. Not only is it not fair to point out her record, but the 538 article that I brought up, you guys are just completely missing it. We have a, a 538 article with all the potential 2020 Democratic co candidates. And I, you know, guys, right in there, you guys have just breezed right past it. It says, uh, Kamala Harris then grabbed a bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich before heading to Washington, where she answered questions from reporters at her alma mater, Howard. And let me just say, guys, right there, you can see that she is not haram. And that just destroys her credibility, okay? For me, personally, unless you're Haram, I won't Wait. listen to you. Wait, can we go back to the fact that you're saying she she has to be trafe. She has to not follow Muslim dietary laws. That's no, what you're saying. other way around. So you just, <laughs> okay, so you meant halal. Just want to clear that up. <laughs> oh, you don't yeah. want another no. Obama then. Okay. Yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. I want, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I've loved how everybody gets mad, not just to pointing out that she was a prosecutor. Everybody is like, well, she was a prosecutor. She wasn't technically a, to uh, a cop. But there's a time when she was a prosecutor where she said explicitly, I'm California's top cop. 
It's like a quote. Not to mention she's got like a bunch of pictures of her like posing with the force and like out and doing some law and order pose pics. Um, but she's now like just uh, doing the whole Hillary thing as well with, uh, you know, the bacon, egg and cheese sandwich. She's doing uh, videos of her dancing to Cardi B. Um, won't be long before she's telling people to Pokemon Go to the polls. Um. Uh, why can't we just have a serious conversation about anything why does everything in this stupid country have to just revolve around like like it's like somewhere along the line they like it's they can't the the political pundits they're like okay well if we talk smart and like try and talk about policy one that's hard we don't really want to work that hard and the other side of that is is and opens us up to critique because all all other parties do in this country is just critique each other. So let's just basically make this like a Facebook ad. And we'll just also, well, you know what? Um, as a millennial, I really don't care about like my student loans or my precarious healthcare situation. I just want my president to be Snapchat. Yeah, but it's but it's it's literally like that. I want an Instagram. I want an Instagram character to be president. You know, I want somebody who's got cool. Actually, that's tell me true. about I your student loan debt see. and three emojis or less. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, that's, I, what, that's what it is, though. They're all trying to copy AOC because she actually seems genuine and is talking about things people care about via social media. What they're doing is doing a uh, vapid pandering via social media, and they think it's the same thing. Yeah, and everyone's like, "No, fuck you." <laughs> um. But we got a crowded list here. It's not just Kamala. Um, of course, you know, Diamond Joe Biden, um, you know, the classic candidate. Um, you know, bringing the party back to its old roots um, where you got a Delaware Dixie crat going around <laughs> trying to grab women. Uh, hey, hey, Bill Clinton was a great president. <laughs> but, uh, but what, what if I feel not- that way unironically? What if I actually think that he wasn't well, that bad you. as a president? <laughs> Bill Clinton sucked. Bill Clinton was bullshit. Hey, uh, hey, what the housing crisis, the housing crisis is 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 a a a, a chip I will take in exchange for getting us out of uh, as many interventionist issues as he did. Bill Clinton did that all the time. <laughs> yeah, but he didn't, he, he didn't, didn't he didn't invade Kuwait like his predecessor. <laughs> and, and he protected us from super predators. But Biden, we got... <laughs> um, yeah, Biden, I don't know. I've not heard much about him. His name keeps popping up just because he's like the name everyone knows. He's the guy from the Onion memes, you know. He's... Uh, <laughs> He's gonna. Uh, he, the second he comes out, he's going to get me too'd so fucking hard. Yeah, he is. Good because well, he's been the establishment. He has been preemptively going on like an apology tour um, over the last couple months, just apologizing for uh, regrettable votes that he did in the past. And um, I don't think he's brought up in him the harassment stuff, but just trying to like whitewash his record before he announces and everyone starts to grill him on uh, his terrible policy votes over the last 30 years of politics. Can we also just mention this thing that this uh, I've seen elsewhere, but this 538 article also has about how Joe Biden, establishment Democrat, went and gave a paid speech supporting a Republican who then went on (laughs) to win and then has defended his stance in that. And like the same people who are going to say, Bernie divided the party, you need to vote for Biden, blah, blah, blah. 
you know, Bernie Hurts the party are not going to mention this. Like, it's just going to be a yeah. non-issue for them that he actively undermined another Democrat. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think or this will and make money be, off it. I think this will finally be the election where people don't believe the bullshit about reaching across the aisle anymore. Like. If you could say one good thing about Trump Republicans is that they are hostile enough that enough, like, probably mainstream Democrats don't think you can work with them anymore. So I think there will be less of that moving to the center in this case, like, trying to reach across the aisle, Republicans are our friends bullshit uh, in this election. Sure hope so. Who else? Who, who else do we got last? Um, well, on this list, I haven't heard much about him lately, but Michael Bloomberg, um, who is just a walking four foot eight uh, money with a dollar sign sack on it, um, being handed over by a, a guy with a top hat. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can we just read the second paragraph <laughs> on this blurb about him? Go for oh it. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. The, the former New York City mayor faced criticism from Democrats this week after defending the use of stop-and-frisk policing during a speech at the U.S. Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland on Tuesday and labeling efforts to legalize marijuana, quote, perhaps the stupidest thing we've ever done. Dead in the water. He will get nowhere. Even with all his fucking money, he will get nowhere. Yeah, I haven't heard much about him lately. I don't think that he is going to make it to even announcing something, uh, especially as... Many prominent people are starting to announce. Uh, Cory Booker, however, is someone who we will probably hear a lot from. Um, who, I don't know, I, he's kind of like a just blank slate. I don't think he has much in terms of policy positions. I know he's a huge charter school guy. Um, he's a big Wall Street guy. Big Wall Street guy. Um, and, you know, the most likable thing about him is that he's dating Rosario Dawson. Um, which, if anything, I would say makes him unlikable because I'm not dating Rosario Dawson. <laughs> um, you should write a letter to the editor about that. Yeah, I seriously want him to switch his campaign position to um, me dating Rosario Dawson, and then he might have my vote. Sure, <laughs> <laughs> um, um, I... I Oh, if you've got more on Booker, yeah. Yeah, I just I think the thing with Booker is that nobody's going to buy it anymore because he's just kind of running as, like, Obama again. And I think people, as a general rule, kind of soured on Obama, you know? Yeah. Like, it was good that we had him, but no, well, it's over. And also, uh, to an extent, only Obama can do the Obama thing because Beto tried to do the Obama thing, and that took all of a week for him to crash and burn. To be fair, though, them, cr them, them thighs cramp. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, and it didn't help that, you know, all of us Bernie bros coordinated a, a nice attack campaign on Beto early on. Yeah, all uh, those Bernie bros, Elizabeth Brunig among them. <laughs> um, yeah, Sherrod Brown, um, which I don't know much about him. Um, he's got a pretty progressive base, as far as I can tell. But aside from that, seems like a reasonably left candidate. Um but also just doesn't have that like name recognition or as much uh, experience as a lot of the other candidates. Yeah, I heard him on Mehdi Hassan's podcast. I think it was him. And he was really good. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he, he just doesn't have the name recognition, I think, anywhere, you know? Three more yeah. years. Four more years. Yeah, I think, I think that's what's going on. He's running now to run later. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like he's doing a lot of the late night shows. The Dignity of Work Tour. It's pretty hot. That's like... 
if he wasn't just a milk toast Democrat, I would be like, wow, that's a incredibly red thing to do. Yeah, but dignity <laughs> yeah. of work when you've already got fight for 15 definitely seems like they're going to be like, you know, workers need dignity. And what dignity is, is $9 an hour. And a handshake from your boss. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Not 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 the dignity of work tour I want in Cleveland, where we're just like masked and throwing Molotovs into mansions. Dignity. Yeah, actually, dignity of work sounds very mal. Yeah, I know, I know. That's what I mean. <laughs> the dignity of work tour that I would want to be a part of is dark. <laughs> Oh, but um, yeah, going from Sherrod Brown, Maoist candidate, uh, we've got Pete Buddy Gig. It's like Buttigieg or something. Buddy Judge. Buddy Gig. Booty Judge. Name is Booty Judge. But yeah, Pete's got that booty, and he is starting to explore pre- the uh, presidential campaign. I know nothing about him. He's so. the mayor of South Bend, Indiana. Uh, yeah, he's a mayor. <laughs> um, and he's got a good quote here. We're the generation that lived through school shootings and served in the wars after 9-11. And we're not the generation that stands to be the first to make less than our parents unless we do something different. The generation? Um, he's 37. He didn't <laughs> live through millennial. any of I'm into this though. Let's like try uh, and millennials steal some of that greatest on. generation valor. Be like, that's that's fucking right. We lived through the <laughs> 2008 recession and 9/11. We all survived 9/11 together. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, you, thought, <laughs> you thought Normandy was bad? Have you gone to a high school lately? <laughs> to be fair, <laughs> I might actually be afraid to walk into a high school now. That's going to be the next series from Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know much about him. He's trying to he's a... Ryan. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I think he's the first uh, out of the closet candidate, which is that's cool. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I could see how a lot of Democrats would be into that. They'd be trying to push him as like just part of their. <laughs> diversity campaign uh, <laughs> oh wait 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 this second paragraph is pretty hot though like it, it's pretty fire <laughs> buddha judge said his two terms as mayor and service in the navy were more executive and military experience than president trump and vice president mike pence have <laughs> all right so he's clapping back on yeah. trump at least <laughs> uh, um, he... i don't know i feel like south bend indiana mayor might be a hard uh, leap to make to to president i mean no. giuliani couldn't do it as mayor of new york uh, I, I, I really don't think said. it is i think it's i think it's almost perfect um what <laughs> i want is um like basically a fat man from like a suburb in anywhere iowa in <laughs> indiana um the Montanas, the Minnesotas of the world. <laughs> what I want is fat, dumpy men from those places to come and like just just explain things to me. I you really want think that. Boss Hog from the Dukes of Hazzard to yeah. be our president. Yeah, I want so I want a man who wears a hat and twirls his mustache, but is still afraid of effeminate men. Um. All right, yeah. Also on the list, we've got Julian Castro. Julian. Um, Julian. 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 I don't speak Spanish. Julian. 
That's uh, he's one of the trailer park boys. <laughs> Julian, um, his, his VP Ricky. <laughs> it's a bold move to literally always have a drink in your hand when you're for president. Well, even I, when I you're thought driving. I thought it was it was even more of a move <laughs> since the next person on the list is John Mulaney. <laughs> this is a joke. It's the next person is John Delaney, who is. Uh, also well, running. Okay. Julian Castro is the first uh, Latino guy, but I mean, not to. Uh, what about Beto O'Rourke? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I have something to say about Beto. Oh, God. We'll please. Can we not blood quantum today? <laughs> we are going to. You have to get ready for blood quantum talk. Um, God. I just. I don't know what's going to. Julian Castro's not going to get anywhere. You know, especially with Beto running as well, they're gonna split Texas. It's not gonna work. You know. Yeah, I mean, he's like the Democratic Marco Rubio in this campaign. Yeah. Um. <laughs> John Delaney. I have. Can I just say the one thing we need to say about John Delaney? Go for it. So I'm. Uh, there's like a listserv for like progressive jobs that I'm on. He's been asking. He's been sending out a job opening multiple job openings in <laughs> iowa for like over half a year at this point the fact that he hasn't got anyone means he is dead in the water <laughs> well you everyone know, thinks he's john mulaney and then they, they're <laughs> like hell yeah i'll go work for this hilarious comedian and then it's not him yeah and then they go to the interview and they're like john mulaney i love you and then he's like uh i'm john delaney i want to make an america that's fun I don't know. I genuinely have no idea what he's about. So yeah, I mean, if he can't get people on his staff, he's can't get. That's like your mom not voting for you. He can't get people to hire. <laughs> yeah. If he can't, if he can't get people to work for him, he can't get people to vote for him. I'm gonna say this guy's already dead in the water. Uh, well, we haven't even so gotten to the good ones yet. Yeah, we've got a lot here. Um, want to speed through because we got some. Uh, People we could probably just dump, but uh, Tulsi, I would say, is probably a pretty significant announcement just because she's been pretty anti-interventionist and uh, is the only pro-Assad candidate, so I can understand the support. <laughs> you got to take a strong anti-imperialist stance, you know? When you when you look at the material conditions in the Middle East, you have to choose between empire and not empire, and Assad clearly on the side of not empire. It's the former uh, the Soviet Union supports him. Come on. If she at any point... Uh, states that we as a country must support the Lion of Damascus, then she will have my vote. <laughs> yeah. like, she will automatically I said, win yeah. at that point. <laughs> yeah, it, that's that's like catching the golden snitch. You just win. It's just like a thousand electoral vo votes if at any point you say you'll defend the Lion of Damascus. <laughs> She's also going to say we need to import some of his policies and start uh, dropping barrel bombs on Trump country. <laughs> God, I really... <laughs> I really wish there that, that we could have the Republican primary again, just because I really enjoyed when like people were just running as like out and out like supporters of like chemical weapons attacks and like genocide as like a whole. I, well, Adam, you may get your wish within the Democratic Party because also on this five thirty eight list, Jeff Flake. <laughs> I just wish we had been doing the show when um, uh, Ted Cruz came out and said we carpet bomb ISIS. And then one of the debate moderators said, so you're just going to bomb civilians? And he said, no, you pinpoint the carpet bombing. <laughs> of course. It's like Operation Linebacker, to, but for a whole country. Targeted carpet bombings. Um, <laughs> before, yeah, we we got, on the, uh, before we go on, just one thing. Tulsa Gabbard. Huh? 
Huh? No. You ever think of that? No. <laughs> I, I want to know why Jeff Flake is like, yeah, 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 it's fine. The the Republicans are going to string me up and literally take all the skin off my face because of my, like, not just being, not voting every time they told me to. And so I'm just going to be a Democrat now. Well, I like that he thinks that, like, his limp-wristed resistance to Trump is like, well, they'll accept me now. I... A couple of times said, how dare you, Mr. Trump, before voting exactly for what he wanted me to vote for. Well, I don't know if he's actually going to be running in the Democrat. Since it looks like he's going to be right. I don't know. It's just stupid. Like, why does he believe that? You know, I don't know. I mean, I don't I don't ever want to hear from Jeff Flake ever. But yeah, to have him in the primaries means I don't know what he's doing there. He's. To be fair, well, if he changed his name to Jeff Bake and ran on legalizing marijuana, I'd vote for him. Well, <laughs> I, I'm really excited for another uh, R name that is uh, going to come down later. That's true. It will kind of be fun to uh, just watch Trump like insult and denigrate him for a couple months before his campaign withers and dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and on that note, Kristen Gillibrand, um, <laughs> she has announced, uh, visited Iowa. She has uh, been pretty strongly indicating she'll be running. Um, she was kind of like the Me Too candidate, called out Bill Clinton, which didn't really buy her any favors in the Democratic establishment. Um, yeah, I don't really know what other policy she has. Um, I think she's well, pretty... She's not, I don't think she's going to be able to get any progressives either. Like, this thing, she, like, uses the Bible all the time. She's doing, like... She's running as, like, I don't know, like a wine mom? Just without yeah, the wine? Yeah, I'm not sure who she is hoping to capture. But, yeah, it does kind of seem like just, like, middle-aged wine moms mostly um, <laughs> she's trying to capture the kendra horn vote i think <laughs> <laughs> pretty See, much but there there is a great history of in this country over the last 30 years of suburban white women being like the deciding vote in all of electoral politics and so you know what if she gets it She'll be president. It'll, it'll. She's also one of those people who totes her uh, NRA F rating around, which I also approve of. <laughs> That's true. I mean, that could get her votes amongst a lot of like moderate Democrats. Um, and she does kind of seem like a pretty safe, like, not certainly not progressive, but not as centrist as a lot of Dems, um, which could be enough to get people on board as her just being like even a hair left of Kamala or whoever else ends up being the mainstream candidate. And and she does deserve credit for saying, fuck the party. Uh, we shouldn't have molesters in it like that. That's objectively good. Definitely. Um, I'll be honest. I mean, some of it does seem like opportunistic, um, because you know, Bill Clinton has been around for years and it wasn't until Me Too started happening that she said anything. But still, yeah, definitely good that she's commenting on it. Yeah. Um, well, we got a, I think we got a few more here. Yeah, I'll just name a couple of the other big ones. Uh, John Kasich, um, <laughs> Republican darling. <laughs> looks like he's going for it again. Kaya Johnny. <laughs> if he's I gonna, can't he's win, gonna... I'm not going to do it. <laughs> 
is what he, <laughs> he said. So he's gonna write um, a half made up autobiography called Bound for Glory Two. That's just a rewrite <laughs> of Woody Guthrie's uh, Half Lies autobiography about him riding the rails in real America. <laughs> See, yeah, I like pretty much. I like the idea instead of him having Sleepy Ben Carson write his fake autobiography. And so just like halfway through, you're like, uh, John, did you realize that on page 200, you said you stabbed 323 people and that that's a thing that normal people do? And he'll be like, damn it, Ben! <laughs> but I like, this Kasich, I like this Kasich quote here. Instead of sitting around worrying about what's broken and not working in Washington, we've got to get ourselves off the couch and figure out what we can do by ourselves right here at home where we live. Live, he wrote volunteer at a food bank engage with your schools if something needs to be fixed drop in on a neighbor who has no one else to listen the opportunities are there but we need to grasp them that's the cure for the breakdown in washington it's like going to some elementary schools with a screwdriver and your lunch pail and ask them if they need it's like the uh the futurama bit I'll go into people's houses and wreck up the place. <laughs> Just go around doing favors for people, and that will fix the country. Also, that, that will I, solve I love, legislative deadlock in Washington. I, I love, mean, he is talking about just doing hobo jobs going from town to town. Like, but but so the thing is, I love the glimpse. have a system of signs that you paint onto the fences in front of people's homes, so you know what kind of work they need. But that's <laughs> a, I love the glimpse into Kasich's mind, because it's like, he is, this is what going on in his life he's sitting around worrying and he's like i gotta get off the couch i need to go plant a tree and he doesn't but then he writes this and he's like well i'll tell people to go get off their couches and i will continue to watch top chef because that is what i do uh, I like how he also said volunteer at a food bank because he's probably going and just picking up snacks from the food bank. <laughs> so he's saying volunteer at a food bank. I need it. I show up in town, go to the food bank, and get back on the rails. <laughs> I only take the pumpkin pie filling because no one wants it except for me, and I always have as much as I want. <laughs> except he's a, he's a sociopath who eats it out of the can. With yeah, the exactly. <laughs> Um, all right, so who else we got on this list? Beto. Uh, Amy Klobuchar, Beto, um, we'll just run through the last of these. Wait, I support Klobuchar, Slovenian representation, very important. <laughs> um, who do you think our first lady is, Carl? We've got Slovenian representation. <laughs> Actually, her last name was spelled like they had to change some, uh, names in 45 to avoid getting purged, so <laughs> I'm gonna, hmm, gonna um, hmm on that one. Yeah, we've got Beto, who, you know, I think we'll still hear a little bit from for a while, but I don't see him making it to a real primary season. Um, <laughs> we got to run a candidate who can win. The guy who <laughs> lost to Ted Cruz. <laughs> yeah, it was just like, he was one of the first to announce, or at least look like he was announcing and get all the attention, and very quickly people unfairly brought up uh, things like how much oil money he has taken a lot. Um, which, you know, I feel like enough people <laughs> recognize that we're all going to die in a climate apocalypse, so the oil candidate is really not the guy to run. <laughs> I kind of, I really loved how, like, when that supposed coordinated hit came out against Beto, it was just like, 
It wasn't a hit. It was just like Kiribato's policy positions and what he's done. And he's like a new Democrat. He's not even in the Progressive Caucus. And everybody's like, stop attacking him. It's like, this isn't, it's literally just listing how he describes himself. It's not Well, that's attack. the problem is that like centrist impositions have become so shitty and useless that reviled. bringing them up literally seems like an attack. So like centrist Sims never mention positions because the second you bring it up, everyone just immediately says, oh, that's dog shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know he's got that calf cramping power. Beto's he's he's sexy. Um, huh. You know he's uh, a, a white man, but has an ethnic ish name. So Appar- you know. apparently his dad gave him the name Be- Beto to make him sound more ethnic for political purposes. I read that somewhere that seemed actually legitimate instead of like a fever <laughs> dream. Um, I'm gonna I mean, count I just... it as a fever dream at this point. I'm just going to say Beto has no chance because you can't run someone who you could very easily call uh, Beta O'Rourke. <laughs> um, and then last on this list who I think has any relevance is Liz Warren. Um, I feel like she has a chance of making it far just because <clears throat> she's like split the difference between Kamala and Bernie. Um, and that I it seems like enough left-leaning Dems will take uh, Warren as a compromise, as a step in the right direction. Um, that being said, on her own, I don't think she has a whole lot going for her. Um, it's literally just being positioned right in the middle of reasonably left and centrist. I think also, like, her her, her real serious commitment ever since she got involved in politics in any meaningful sense, or, like, serious commitment to the Democratic Party as an organization, I think is going to do well for her with, like, party establishment types because you know bernie gets credit from basically everybody for not being in the party right but then all the yeah. people who are like he's not even in the party you know? yeah warren definitely seems like the leftmost candidate who i would call establishment yeah and she's definitely like cultivated that and tried to while still also being i mean a, a very like you know um brandeisian liberal that's fine and I gotta give her points for being an Oki uh, who ended up in Massachusetts. Uh, shout out for <laughs> that move right there. <laughs> um, and, you know, one thing that might plague her is her complete uh, inability to handle criticism from Donald Trump well, uh, as she saw in her 23andMe results, which was a solid political move right there. It's just always... In fact, this is actually how I want the entire campaign to go. No policy positions. I just want to know everyone's uh, racial and ethnic breakdowns. And well, I did, we can decide we need, based on skull shapes. We need a full phrenologist report on every candidate. <laughs> or what's the point? I didn't want to do why, blood why, quantum why would, this episode. <laughs> it's not blood quantum, Adam. It's skull shape. It's real science, you fucking idiot. God. <laughs> Alright, if it's something that... Um, <laughs> what was... Uh, um, Jesus Christ. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's character's name in Django? The Calvin Candy. Uh, Calvin yeah, Candy. if it's anything yeah. that Calvin Candy would be like, ah, oh, this sounds like science, I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> well, no, Calvin Candy was also a Democrat. We just need to keep on with the party tradition. <laughs> God damn it. Uh, but wait, we got a couple more gyms here. Um, I know that this just gets brought up every so often. I don't think there's any serious chance of it happening, but people keep saying Michelle Obama. 
Oh. Uh, who are who are the same people who are just like, well, you know what? I think that we shouldn't have uh, any parties uh, or you know shit like that. It's just completely like anodyne horseshit. Yeah, just like yeah. the people who pay no attention to politics at all are just like, I'm Michelle Obama, just because yeah. Likeable person. Well, also, the people whose class interests are keep the American government running basically as it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but then the big one is um, I saw this article recently: Hillary Clinton to not rule out a 2020 bid. That's right, folks. Still with her. <laughs> hey, uh, number one, third time's the charm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I. I also wouldn't rule it out just because Hillary could be completely like narcissistic enough to be like, nope, it has to be me again. Um, though a lot of Hillary staffers have joined Kamala's campaign, so well, kind of seems be, like she might be, be out. <laughs> wouldn't it be cool if she did like a Stalinist purge of the Democratic Party? <laughs> she just Seth Riched everybody but, but at the that Democratic happened. Party instead of the, just Seth Rich. What, what, no, do you not remember no, 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 like last year when she time. just <laughs> instructed the DNC that she was going to be the nominee? That fucking I mean, happened too. Well, no, but I'm saying that now she's in like a low point, right? Like it looks like, um, you know, Lenin has just died. It looks like we don't know who's going to make it through. And then she just uh, starts getting on the murder game. You know, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but yeah, like as we mentioned earlier, like all of her campaign advisors from 2016 are starting to join up and get hired for the uh, Harris Ooh. campaign. So it seems like as she's not holding on to her loyal uh, foot soldiers, her legion, uh, then she probably will not be running. Um, but on the other hand, uh, if she was to run, probably the smartest move she could make is not hiring a single fucking one of those staffers back on their campaign. <laughs> oh, that's going to happen. That's, uh, that's already happening. She, I don't know. This could, be, staffers... this could be a brilliant tactic to like poison the well of the Harris campaign with all of her garbage staffers who lost her the entire Rust belt. Oh. Hey, oh. Um, it was Russian interference. That, the Vladimir Putin personally <laughs> told her, "Do not campaign in the Rust Belt," and she said, "Oh, she, golly shucks, I won't." Um, but you know, if there is any semblance of justice or loving God in this universe, we will not have another Bernie Hillary Trump campaign oh. in 2020. Um, but wouldn't you know, that be kind of tight though? If, time if is a flat just... circle, and we're never <laughs> yeah. going to, you know, nothing ever changes. We all live in this moment for eternity. Like um, Amer America just turns into the meth lab from Detective <laughs> Season One I mean, forever. It's really just like we're all in hell, which is why nothing ever changes, <laughs> and it's all the same. Uh, no, see, that's why Catholicism is the one true faith. Uh, we stop. all live in no. purgatory. You we're stop not... your papist. Yeah. You don't papists and rapists, baby. I don't like either of them. Number one, Adam, you go to hell. You're a Protestant. <laughs> I would like to say it's the official show position that even if Orthodox people go to hell, number one. <laughs> Anyone who's not a Catholic, straight to hell. I just want to make that clear. Just let me say one thing about Venezuela for actual recording. Okay? We all 100% uh, support Maduro and every single thing he's done in Venezuela, <laughs> like any good left person should do. <laughs> 
Uh, I'm actually part of uh, Maduro's militia. I, I don't know if you guys know, but I've been conducting block marching in my neighborhood in Norman, where I just take my uh, wooden uh, my wooden AK-47 and I just march my neighborhood. Uh, I was, I was I maintain actually street in, discipline. I was in that video that's been going around Twitter of uh, the Venezuelan military chanting "fuck you Yankees" in Spanish. I was right there. <laughs> Oh my God! All right, but, but what actually count? Just, just because I want to throw throw this in the show this week. Just go listen to the episode where we talk about how we shouldn't intervene in Syria and still think Assad is bad. It's the exact same. Like <laughs> we shouldn't do it. That doesn't mean Maduro's good. I mean, it's like so bad. This is yeah. the exact same conversations people had before the Iraq War, and then afterwards, everyone said, "Well, no one knew it was going to be bad." Uh, even though people did say it's going to be bad. Right now is the moment where everyone's saying, no, it's going to be bad. Don't do this. And <laughs> important... don't let them fucking say, oh, we didn't know. No one said it was going to be bad because everyone who everyone. has any foreign policy knowledge or any awareness aside from socialism is bad. We need to save those people knows that there's no way that this could ever go well. When has... When have we ever gone into a country and it's gone well for them afterwards? Especially in Latin America. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think, The country you know, where it's going best in Latin America is the one where they murked the CIA coup people in the Bay of Pigs. Yeah. Um, and, and that and one never changed from their communism. In America. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I think that's so indicative, too, because, you know, every time any and I think it's one of the things that we would have talked about more, you know, obviously U.S. interventionism hasn't worked and isn't going to work in the future. But the other side of that is, is that there is like a rich and storied history of the U.S. through the CIA uh, becoming economic hitmen and destabilizing regimes across South America. Uh, yeah, and like so, there's not a country that we haven't. Yeah, and so everyone who like, shakes their fist and is like, "Oh, socialism has destroyed Venezuela," I'm like, "Uh, no, 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 no." The U.S. has in like yeah, done no, the I, thing. I, the in, the U.S. destabilized their country. I literally read a New York Times article in Saturday's paper yesterday that was like Venezuela's economy is in the dumps, and it didn't mention the fact that there are sanctions on Venezuela's economy from the U.S. And it's like, huh, that seems like a relevant part of the story about Venezuela's economy not working well. And not just be, that. But... Uh, the sanctions. What? And also, they have the world's largest proven oil reserves. I wonder yeah. why people are talking about intervention. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. Is uh, We want that sweet, sweet oil. Um, we need it. We want it bad. We gotta have it. And Ooh. we just gotta make sure uh, I think most recently I heard there's like 11 years of, that we have to like start reversing our fossil fuel consumption. So really hope we get that oil so we can shorten that down to a nice tight five. Yeah. Tight five. Well, I always do my best work under pressure. Okay? <laughs> I've never uh, turned in a school assignment on time. True. Have... Climate acceleration. Like, <laughs> let's do it. Let's get the Arctic, get Venezuela, let's burn all of the fossil fuels, well, so then we're out of it, so, and then we can't so, poison the planet anymore. Have you guys seen, um, not No Country for Old Men, uh, not Blood for Oil, what was the movie? There the will be blood. There yeah, will, be, will blood. be blood. Have you seen the part in There Will Be Blood where they like do the Saddam Hussein thing and they just light <laughs> the oil fields on fire? Yeah. I like that idea, but for climate accelerationism. <laughs> we just like start eco-terrorizing and like blowing up oil refining. 
refineries and then just yeah. burning the oil little, as it comes out of the ground. Little known fact, Saddam Hussein himself was a Posadist. <laughs> <laughs> Saddam Hussein, environmental activist hero. Uh, Saddam drove a Prius with an eco-terrorist bumper sticker. <laughs> Saddam was in Elf. <laughs> Uh, All right. Well, I think that that'll be Venezuela for the week. Uh, We're going to move on to Oklahoma news. Um, This one is a bit more of a serious topic, but I I thought um, it would be something I wanted to uh, discuss. Um, So if you've been following Oklahoma news, um, you'll know that. Um, there is a giant overflow of rape kits uh, in the state of Oklahoma. Uh, there are about 7,200 untested rape kits across 300 agencies based on a statewide audit that uh, Governor Mary Fallon um, did uh, in 2017. Um, and so... Uh, one of the leading reasons the kits and, and I we're pulling from a Read Frontier uh, article, which, again, as always, want to give a big shout out. If you don't check out the Frontier, go check it out. The Frontier is awesome. We pull a lot of stories from it. Uh, they report one of the leading reasons the kits weren't tested, the audit found, was because of a reported lack of victim cooperation, which can take a lot of uh, forms, but is definitely a stigma thing. Um, so basically, um, there are a few sin, uh, a few Congress uh, people who are wanting to help fix this. Uh, Senator Kay Floyd, a Democrat out of Oklahoma City, has filed three bills, and Representative Monroe Nichols, a Democrat out of Tulsa, has filed one bill. And this is because Oklahoma City and Tulsa have the most of these untested rape kits because that's where most of the violent crime happens. But um, these are also problems that stem to uh, rural areas, and I'll get to that in a second. Um, so Floyd has introduced SB 967 to the Senate, um, and basically it is going to implement, if passed, it will implement an electronic tracking system for rape kits, which is really important because right now, they, I mean, literally, they are just walking into certain service rooms and being like, oh, fuck, no one checked this shelf. Here's 70 rape kits that we've never tested and so we're having that issue and one of the big issues with that uh and this is uh, another senate bill that, that Kay introduced uh 975 um would which would require all law enforcement agencies to use the same type of rape kit and the reason that is is because right now in oklahoma there are three types of rape kits used the osbi uh issues a kind of kit to rural counties tulsa PD uses their own and OKC PD uses their own. So OKC and Tulsa have their own <clears throat> kinds and then the rural is governed by OSBI and so it's different too. So not only are we like finding boxes of rape kits that we don't know anything about and we're like holy shit we need to test these and figure out but they're different and we don't know where they came from. Um, this, this one would also do a few things like require agencies to submit a kit for testing within 20 days, um, tell directing medical professionals and law enforcement to tell a victim the purpose of the kit, uh, and to require agencies to keep the kits for 50 years. Um, the, the, these all kind of piece by piece, they're not a lot, but all together they could really 
fix this system because if we could have a way to track them, if we had a way to say they have to be tested within this amount of time because there's no repercussion for this. You know, the police department isn't going to get sued because they didn't test the kit fast enough because there's no there's no recourse for that. That's not how anything goes. But um, this will at least give there to be more structure and more of a system rather than these just getting set on literally a shelf in a, uh, you know, uh, evidence locker and then found six or seven years later. Um, there's an increase. I find it. Yeah. I, I find it absolutely wild that for a state that's so gung ho about law and order that we just don't give a shit about following up on rape kits. It's, like, it's, it's absolutely hard. wild. This is one of the very few instances for me where it's like, we should really, that's what a police force would be for or something, you know? Yeah. Like that, it's like, yeah, this is actually something that's important and should be done. Unlike, I don't know, hitting teenagers of color for smoking Doty in their car. Like, and, and it's really mind boggling to me. Well, also to think that their system is this, like, I mean, that A, they haven't computerized it, B, that they have three different standard kits. I mean, that's just completely ridiculous. Yeah, and I think. You know, part of this too, and a lot of you know, some of these like uh, uh, the one of the house bills, uh, and like one one of the house bills uh, were, is making uh, healthcare professionals mandated reporters within twenty four hours of uh, uh, sexual assault victims, uh, and some of those other ones are are kind of touching on some of those things too, because right now, yeah, like you guys said, it's just so different everywhere that no one knows what's going on you know the people you, you know when osbi works in you know oklahoma city even if they hand out kits when they go to mays county they're not they're, they don't know what system they have in place they don't know how those officers have been dealing with those things in the past and so they have no idea how to expect um them to be run and and, and like you said the the reason this isn't so um hard nosed on some of the um other stuff like reason even in oklahoma it isn't so hard nosed is because these are hard cases to solve your victims aren't cooperative and it can be hard to explain to the victims what's going on too and so a lot of this is trying to make the victims safer so that they feel more able you know it's one of the problems you talk about you know like uh with all the rhetoric around um, Mexican illegal immigrants. We've just seen a total drop off in the reports of domestic violence from Hispanic and Latinx populations because no one's calling the cops. No one's calling the cops anymore. We're just done calling the cops if if you're someone who could even maybe be thought that they needed to be deported. They're just not calling the cops anymore. And it's a nightmare because now we don't have any, we, you know, you don't have any way to work with the victims. What's terrifying about that is that I can totally see Republicans being like, look, being hard on immigration works just oh, yeah. because like no Latin people are like calling to report any crimes anymore because they're all afraid that they'll have to deal with ICE. Yep. Well, and it's been it's been a thing in Tulsa forever that North Tulsa far and away has the lowest crime statistics of any part of town. And it's not necessarily that North Tulsa has the least amount of crime or anything. It's just that you don't call the cops in North Tulsa yeah. because um. They might show up when your car's broken down and shoot you in the street like a dog. And, or shoot and your so, dog. 
Well, well, they will shoot you. They will find a dog, and they will shoot it. Uh, yeah, they that's hunt dogs. Normal, that's normal service. Sir, do you have a dog? No. He doesn't have a dog. We gotta find a dog. <laughs> Go down the neighborhood. <laughs> and that's not to imply anything about the crime rate, the actual crime rate in North Tulsa. Uh, it's just that, like, um, there's a probably a good reason why people there aren't calling the fucking cops for situations that maybe sometimes cops are supposed to be helpful for. Like, I don't know, reporting a rape. Yeah. You know? Well, and, and, and that's and that's about the end of that. I, I, I think that, you know, if these things pass, of course, session doesn't go in until the, uh, February 4th. But if these things pass, um, they can be some of the first steps in um, fixing or at least, you know, providing recourse to victims of sexual assault. Uh, but I will pass it off to you, Mr. Roberts, to uh, take us on to our last story. Yes. Uh, last story is kind of about um what are we gonna do about education um a, be, a brief kind of rundown of where we are right we had the walkout last year's nine days um would have gone a lot better if oea hadn't been uh assholes and i can say for a fact that uh the nea learned a lot from the oklahoma experience and then all the rest of the teacher strikes has taken a hands-off approach of let the teachers do what they want to do that's an important background to the narrative in the la teacher strike and its success is that a national organization saw that our local union fucked up terribly and said we're gonna let them do it so that nobody gets mad at the union and now um you know what teachers got last time was far and away not close to what was demanded they got a six thousand one hundred dollar average pay raise the pay raise ask had been six thousand dollars flat across the board for all teachers followed by four thousand dollars in the next year for a pay raise that's the one thing they got uh they didn't get extra funding for other things they didn't get funding for support staff they didn't get funding for other state services etc 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 right and so there's a lot of talk of our teacher's going to walk out again. And, uh, you know, having talked to activists involved in it, there's a really broad diversity of opinion and what needs to happen. But, you know, if there's not legislative movement on education, we are probably looking at a walkout. People are afraid of when that might happen. They're afraid of if it's going to be effective. They're afraid of who they can all get together. But the legislature essentially is going to have to do something big uh, to, to head it off because we haven't solved our problems. Um, there's a lot of different stuff that's going on in terms of educational changes and laws being proposed and so on to make that happen. Um, my representative, Gary Stanislavski, in the state Senate has proposed some good things and some bad things. Um, one of those was uh, changing the weight for students in the formula. Um, Oklahoma funding from the state is calculated based on every student starts at one and then if they, for some reason, need more attention, they get an extra, you know, they become a 1.5 or a 2 or a 2.3 or something. And that's, you know, like if you're a non-native English speaker, you get a, an extra uh, point value because it's going to require more funding to deal with you, right? You're going to need more help. And so he said we need to weigh that differently so that lower income students get more weight, which is actually a good thing. Um, that's a really good thing. But that's not raising new funding for schools um, that would redistribute wealth in a meaningful way. Um, it would also help a lot because lower income students need more help than higher income students. Um, one of the things people are talking about is um, increasing funding for virtual charter schools, um, which is not cool. Plug um, your child into the matrix. 
<laughs> it's actually the Matrix. They're just uh, harvesting the life force of the children to give it to Harold Hamm. They're gonna get, they're gonna put all of Oklahoma's kids in the beds from the Venture Brothers. <laughs> hey, those are learning beds, okay. <laughs> um, I always thought another... that would be a great way to like actually like brainwash <laughs> your your population. Is yeah, just slam them into a bed and be like, listen, you learn when you sleep. Um, Another thing that uh, Stanislavski has proposed, Senate Bill 180, would increase the tax credits available for charter schools. Um, Well, it provides private school tuition scholarships to students, and he would increase that from $3.5 million to $25 million, um, which is stupid. That's just a waste. Why would we do that? That's just taking money away from public schools that need it. It's useless. It's pointless. Um, well, also, also, like spending that level of money on one public school or one uh, private charter school tuition voucher could be like way more effective when you focus that money on like an entire public school rather than yeah. Like you, you would be able to uh, 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 consolidate those gains if you just funded an entire school rather than funding individual students. Yeah. And th- there's also there's also the other thing about that where, as we've reported in the past that those scholarship tax credits have gone to schools where the schools are reporting the student twice, so the family gets the tax credit, and then the school also gets money from the state, so the school's double-dipping in the money it gets. Uh, That money also, sometimes overlapping with that, sometimes not, is going to religious institutions, and uh, that's illegal. Um, It's not okay for my public money to go to religious institutions. Sue somebody about it. Um, actually, you probably could, because the Oklahoma State Constitution has a lot more of a restrictive uh, religious freedom uh, amendment than the than the federal constitution. Um, another one that I actually like, also by Stanislavski, Senate Bill 143, would increase the transparency uh, of charter schools that are um, in terms of how they pay for stuff. Um, that's a big deal because uh, when they're opaque about how much they're paying for things and so on, they're probably getting big fat profit margins off of the fact that we're privatizing our school industry. That's bad. Um, some, it's like so, in like 1947 we realized that public schools were the way to create like an engaged and and, and, and like liberal forward thinking progressive population and then in like 1985 they were like fuck we created an engaged liberal progressive <laughs> forward thinking nation fuck <laughs> privatize like the schools like when the fucking state was founded we were like we're going to have a bunch of school districts because we have to make sure that students don't have to go terribly far to get to school. Like, that's why Oklahoma has so many school districts. That's not a joke. That's literally why we have so many rural school districts. And, like, that was a good thing. We were like, we should take education seriously, and the state's going to provide you with a good education, even if it's hard. Another thing about that, my this is unrelated. Why aren't we talking about consolidating all the fucking suburban districts with Oklahoma city, uh, public schools and Tulsa public schools. Like we should do away Dude, with that. That would never fly. Like, you like know, should, that's like, I, I yeah. know, I know those people are going to get super pissed about it, but it's like, that actually would be much more effective in terms of consolidation. Uh, but that's unrelated. Yeah. I mean, no, that, that should be a conversation that we should be having. That would be great. It would be amazing to yeah, say, you, get you don't get your fucking it, school. Um, well, I don't think we would get lynched for it. I think some people that we should try to protect would get lynched for it in yeah. a, a serious and dark way. Um, yeah. Let's talk about some other things. Uh, there's House Bill 2645 by Rhonda Baker, a Republican from UConn, which would give teachers a one-time bonus of up to $10,000 if they're certified and they return to the classroom, which is not, you know, 
pissing in the wind, not going to work, not going to help. Or you could pick what's behind door number two. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, Penny. The mystery box. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There's another one uh, from Representative Jacob Rosencrantz out of Norman, a Democrat that would increase bonus amounts for teachers who receive National Board certification um, and also create an incentive structure for National Board certified teachers to work in high-need schools. But again, it's just like, just fucking pay them the fucking money and this will happen. It's very easy. Um, I want to give a shout out to Senator Allison Eichley Freeman, someone I know personally, um, who's a very wonderful person. She wants to prohibit schools from using restraint or seclusion on students, except in extreme circumstances. Um, that's I still that dark that schools can do that. That should not be a thing. That's loud. <laughs> True, but I can't endorse any politician that knows you. <laughs> Same. Yeah. Um, we met through work. It's okay. Um, <laughs> Any politician that would voluntarily interact <laughs> with you, I just I don't know if I could support that politically. <laughs> um, but I mean, fundamentally, all of these things that are—they're not going to stave off another walkout. Um, there's well, and that's another that... thing. A walkout now would be way different than the initial walkout. And yeah, I mean the. It would be. It, it's hard to tell if people would have the same energy as they initially did. Um, you know whether or not the state would be as like desperate as it originally was, or if they would be more willing to negotiate if there was threats of a second walkout. I think I think there would be because I think you're right. It, it'd be hard to get the energy together, especially really soon. And mm-hmm. there may be some rumblings about doing it very soon. Well, um, so soon after the initial one, and that was already like very hard for a lot of teachers, it would be certainly hard to recapture that energy. Yeah, but uh, at the same time, I think I think I, I think that's a very valid problem. But I think there's also the other issue of like they passed the pay raise before the last walkout, and they still had big support. Um, the union learned a lot. And, and I mean that's not a joke. Like the union, that's true. They are better educated. Yeah. Not to mention they've got. I mean, like a lot of other uh, walkouts and strikes to back them up. LA most recently, which is huge. And and uh, part of the story of success in other walkouts has been that uh, the NEA specifically learned from the Oklahoma walkout, like I said earlier, and changed its tactics. And then on top of that, if it happens again, and OEA does this bullshit where they say, "Oh, well, let's vote in November and stop walking out," everyone would be like, "No, that's fucking not." Um, yeah. it's not an election year and it didn't work. It, it hasn't worked in the past and it's not going to work. And if you want to tell us to do that again, we're just going to keep going out. So right now, the important thing is building up, you know, within and outside of the, the unions in Oklahoma, um, uh, the power necessary to challenge the union too. If it's not going to say we're going to walk out until we get everything we want and then getting ready to do that. And so that's something I think we all have to do. If you know, teachers, we need to start focusing on that. We need to start having those conversations. There are People who are already doing it, um, if you go get involved with your local chapter of the union, you go talk to teachers at your local, you go talk to your DSAs, you will find people who are interested in doing that kind of work. And we need to start doing it because it's gonna, it's very likely it will happen again in this decade. Because um, there's just nothing, there's nothing that's going on that's going to fix our school problems at this moment in time. Yeah, I mean, the concessions they made after the first strike were certainly something but not enough to fix the pro- the exact same problems that they had in the first place yep well just band-aids speaking of uh band-aids and uh 
making terrible decisions. <laughs> Why don't you take us to the uh, conservative reading list for the week? Yes, this week we are going to do something different. This is an op-ed in the Tulsa World by one Debo, David mm, L. Boren, my president. My president. <laughs> it's not my president. Galagly. Galagly. Hey, all I'm saying is, you know what? We didn't have these kinds of problems that we've had at OU over the last three weeks when Debo was here, except a yeah, lot of the time that Debo was n- here. Nobody did an open racism at OU when Debo was president. <laughs> yeah, it just didn't happen. Nobody, right? It just wasn't a thing. <laughs> Oil companies didn't try to control the entire university. It wasn't a thing. Totally wasn't. Um, well. So... This article is titled, Mattis is Right. The U.S. Must Remain Committed to Its Western Alliance. Uh, just a little background on Debo that I think is easy for people like our age to miss. Um, because Debo has been president of OU for so long, like basically for all of our lifetimes. Before that, he was uh, the head of the Senate Foreign Affairs Committee. So he's like a very big foreign policy guy. Um, not in a good way, though, as we're yeah, about during, to find during out. during the Cold War. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One after two, because he told, he told uh, George Herbert Walker Bush, second wimpiest president um, after <laughs> Donald Trump, according to Ann Coulter. Uh, he told H.W., uh, do a full invasion of Iraq. Um, but let's, let's read this. The United States and its allies did not win the Cold War by chance. It is also no coincidence that World War II was not followed by a third war with even greater devastation. Okay. The relative We didn't fight World War III so that you could sit around and critique us, okay? <laughs> the secret World War III that the lizards and I, David Boren, fought to keep you safe is not something to be joked with. It's just I, like saying you're welcome for not activating the doomsday weapons we built. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Thank God that that one Soviet dude was like, this is a false positive. I'm not going to shoot those nukes. Shout it. out to a real one. Uh, um, see, this, though, this, I will say, I'm glad we have this for our conservative reading list this week because. My, my sister's laughing. Oh. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm glad that we have this as a conservative reading list this week because this one is like peak 80s 90s democrat and i hate it i despise like everything and like this there's not gonna he's not got spelling mistakes or grammar mistakes okay this isn't the fucking oklahoma editorial board this is a person who like knows things and is smart and my this god is a cold calculating sociopath yeah exactly keep yeah. going the relative stability in the world following World War II is due in no small part to the blueprint put together by the post-war bipartisan leadership in the United States. In reference to this comprehensive blueprint, then Secretary of State Dean Acheson titled his autobiography, Present at the Creation. I'd like to talk about that relative <laughs> stability for a second. Um, the, the relative stability like for 18 over, minutes while the Red Army a, walked into Berlin. <laughs> there was like over a decade of civil war in uh, Italy and Belgium. For a while there, that was a direct result of, of the U.S. funding fascists to shoot at uh, striking workers in Europe. Uh, the entirety of the third world was on fire for most of the time. There were a lot um, of dangerous antifas in Italy, Carl. <laughs> Libya was just owned by the desert for most of this period. 
Olivia was uh, charting the path to revolution under the auspices of Muammar Gaddafi, the world's greatest political thinker. Read the Green Book, okay? And Much watch better the movie. than a new movie. <laughs> I'm amazed that they ha made a movie about uh, an acolyte of Gaddafi driving through the south with Viggo Mortensen. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I thought that was what the Two Towers was. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, goddamn. Okay, let's keep reading. The blueprint contained several key elements that have been followed by presidents of both political parties for more than 70 years. The blueprint contained the Marshall Plan, which helped, helped keep Europe stable. Not true. After we love the war it. By, after the war by feeding the hungry and rebuilding the economies left shattered by that war so that the populations involved could return to normal lives. Okay. Of life, <laughs> shooting each it. other from the 70s to the 80s. Uh, I don't think you remember when the Marshall Plan fixed everything and... <laughs> Made Europe a utopia, except for the parts that I don't like. What is Abel Archer? What is Greece until the seventies under the fucking dictatorship? Or, or where also was North Africa, like Egypt, Libya, or Egypt, Spain and Tunisia were also on fire and not owned. God, Tunisia didn't well, have a constitutional government <laughs> until like two thousand fourteen after the fucking Second World War. So. <laughs> Well, let's let's uh, let's read the next one. This is good. It also included the doctrine of containment. The U.S. and our allies drew boundaries around Soviet-controlled totalitarian areas so that their control could not expand geographically. How did Vietnam go? Yeah, yeah. How did the domino theory or game theory or any of that shit work out? How did Afghanistan go? Or how did you know actively crushing um, independence movements in former colonies go? Badly. It was evil and wrong. Uh, it went great. Everything's awesome. Uh, yeah. I don't know You're what fucking you're talking wrong. about. Uh, for, uh, for David Bourne, everything is awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's true. He has a lot of money, and all of those things have built the world that allowed him to succeed. <laughs> God. Right, keep going, because this one's great. To enforce the containment policy, Western leaders formed new institutions and alliances like NATO. Composed of 29 nations, including democratic European nations, the U.S. and Canada. Uh, what is Turkey? Um, <laughs> um, very important what is that it's Saudi? Including, including democratic European nations. Um, Saudi Arabia, I don't think, is in NATO. No, but they're Turkey not, but is. I just meant our um, general alliance. Turkey, and never been a democracy. Not, not good. <laughs> um the communist bloc knew if it tried to expand, it would face a military response from the United NATO forces. This threat effectively deterred Soviet aggression. Well, American forces. Mm. Well, I don't. I don't. You, did, did you guys have to give fucking Stinger missiles to the jihadis during the eighties because of how great NATO was? Like, I, I think you might be like overstepping. But th this is the thing. I was going to say this earlier, but like. Isn't this so wonderful to read this and actually be able to, like, critique this historical example of instead of just reading, like, listen, Mexicans, they have wings and they could fly anywhere. We need anti-aircraft on all Trump locations so we that we can shoot down flying protections <laughs> like at least this. Th these brain worms are like sentient. OK, a, a worthy opponent. Yeah. <laughs> Um, continuing, this threat effectively deterred Soviet aggression. American forces were stationed in Europe with NATO forces to serve as a tripwire that made it clear that any aggression against NATO would immediately engage the full might of U.S. forces. 
that understanding was critical to our success in keeping the peace. I think anybody who who believes that was a good system should should watch that show Deutschland '83. Um, which is like a spy show about an East German that goes into West Germany and is part of like Abel Archer and everyone living in Europe under it is basically like you Americans are willing to nuke the entirety of Europe to keep you safe and we don't want that. <laughs> Can I like how he refers live to in this hell world. <laughs> I like how he refers to Poland as a tripwire. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, Poland's historical role has been a tri- as a tripwire. Except <laughs> nothing happens when you trip it. You just get Poland. <laughs> well, you split Poland with your sworn enemies. Yeah. Um, that's actually what happened. You find yourself allied to Russia somehow, and half of whatever you get, you have to give to them, and you're like, how? <laughs> okay, it's good. gone. <laughs> Um, recent careless remarks that cast doubt on the United States' commitment to remaining in NATO threaten our national security, as well as peace and stability around the world. It has long been a goal of the Soviet Union, and now Russia, to weaken or destroy NATO, because it has effectively prevented imperialistic expansion by that country. Oh, <laughs> wow! very rich <laughs> to be published on a day when the U.S. government declared support for a dude who is not elected president as president. Okay, because well, we and don't also, like the guy who was literally fuck? elected president. <laughs> also, it has long been the goal of the Soviet Union to weaken and destroy NATO, but because it was exclusively yeah, put in place to destroy the Soviet Union, <laughs> they were literally opposed <laughs> to each other. Also, uh, you'll find that Tom, even now that he is a different style of cat, has always tried to eat Jerry, <laughs> and th- th- Jerry cannot be blamed for his anti-interventionist <laughs> stance against the Toms of the world. Well, this this thing, one of the things that pisses me off so much about this is that if anybody should know, it is Boren, because Boren was literally in the Senate doing foreign affairs shit at the time frame when the wall came down, and there was a serious discussion about bringing Russia into NATO because the whole point for NATO's existence was gone, and the idea was... We don't want to be opposed to you, Russia. We're going to bring you into the liberal democratic fold. And instead, the U.S. was like, joke's on you. Let's put NATO bases in every country close to your border. And we won, the bitch. Fuck out. <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, no, actually, for a while there, there was a valid discussion in the U.S. and Russia and in the entire world about ending NATO or putting Russia into NATO so that we could end conflict on the European continent. And the U.S. just having to fucking swing its dick around and say, nah, eat shit is the reason why Russia got back to this. I've heard this from literal multiple scholars of, of American foreign policy, from people, literally, I heard from a, a guy who was in negotiations about Ukraine and the war going on in Ukraine today, where he asked a Russian off, negotiating, off the negotiating table, why the fuck did you all take over Crimea? And she was like, well, finally, we're in a position of power to do that. And y'all fucked us so bad that we couldn't before. And now that we're back in this fighting situation, well, we're going to do it. And, like, that's the mindset. And if anyone should know that shit, it's this fucking lizard man, David Boren. To be fair, <sighs> he may actually be a lizard. If there is anyone, he was the longest-serving chairman of the, the Senate's Intelligence Committee. And... As a private U.S. citizen holding no elected office, he while he was the OU, um, did this during uh, Bush's presidency, he was a part of the secret intelligence advisory panel to the president as a private citizen. So if anyone knows where the bodies are buried, it's David L. Boren. Yeah, and the other thing, too, to talk about fucking peace and stability in the world, 
Like, um, when has the U.S. done peace and stability in the world? Like, invading Iraq? Are you kidding me? Um, funding terrorists around the globe? R- repeatedly letting our allies fund terrorists around the globe? Running fucking refueling? Yeah, fights if, for the Saudis to bomb 12-year-olds in Yemen? If we're the only country on the globe, then it will be stable, finally. <laughs> <laughs> Just glass everybody else. That's, that's the real goal. Jesus. All right, keep going. <sighs> Congress and the American people must make it crystal clear that our commitment to NATO and our traditional allies remains as strong as ever. Maybe we should try and not do that, but okay. <laughs> All Americans should carefully read the wise words contained in the recent resignation letter of former Secretary of Defense James Mattis. Yes, wise words coming from a dude whose nickname in the Army was Mad Dog. <laughs> he wrote, quote, One core belief I have always held is that our strength as a nation is inextricably linked to our to the strength of our unique and comprehensive system of alliances and partnerships. While the you know, U.S. remains... You know what was a great place is, uh, like, Europe in 1910. That was, like, a really good <laughs> system of alliances. A, a really, like, tight and uh, unbreakable system of alliances is a great thing. It's really good. It, it actually helps a lot whenever um, attacking one person in the alliance means everybody else has to attack in the alliance. It doesn't create some perverse system of... Uh, structure of incentives to nuke everybody what but i like once everyone's in the alliance and they all pledge fealty to america then <laughs> there won't be anyone to attack exactly i i like the idea that essentially um unaffiliated leftists uh leftist terrorists can just at any point start world war three by just assassinating like the whatever <laughs> the 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 prince of uh, azerbaijan or something and th- that will just plunge all of us into, like, you know, nuclear holocaust. I'm really excited that um, Iranian students can lob, like, Molotov cocktails at, like, an Indian governor and then just, yeah, launch us into World War Three. I'm super fucking stoked about it. Yeah, that's awesome. God damn Okay, it. he's still quoting Mattis here. While the U.S. remains the indispensable nation in the free world, we cannot protect our interests or serve that role effectively without maintaining strong alliances and showing respect to those allies. And it goes back to Bourne. What is respect? I never understand what respect is in this instance. Like, is it West Wing shit or is it money shit? Because I can never tell. I think what respect is is, like, um, sending U.S. troops uh, from our NATO bases in Poland to pee into Russia across the border, and then the Polish people are like, yes, good, now go shoot some women and gays for us, please. We we mean it like a mafia boss says respect, which is, yeah, like, (laughs) pay them money and, like, be okay with being extorted by them. (laughs) Yeah, okay, okay. (laughs) Respect. All right, I, I I can see that one then. Okay, cool. Keep going. Before concluding with his resignation as Secretary of Defense, General Mattis added, My views on treating allies with respect and also being clear-eyed about both malign actors and strategic competitors are strongly held and informed by over four decades of immersion in these issues. We must do everything possible to advance an international order that is most conducive to our security, prosperity, and values. And we are strengthened in this effort by the solidarity of our alliances. Mattis is absolutely correct. To tear up our current system of alliances with no clear, comprehensive plan to put in its place poses a grave risk to our country and our security. We must not take that risk. We must stop this dangerous mistake. What the, what, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, are you fucking kidding me? NATO is so good for the world that it's convinced Russia to have a low-key war in Ukraine. <laughs> that, like, Turkey is just like, oh, you did a, a journalist murder in 
in my country in a way I don't approve of. <laughs> that like there's a fucking massive civil war in Syria with a bunch that's just like the Balkans in the early 1910s or something like. How is it helping the world be secure? I, I, still, I never understand this. I, still I mean, love... it's not. It's like helping the West be secure. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's what I was about. To, yeah, like, I, I still love the idea that, like, somewhere in his underground palace bunker temple, Erdogan is reading this <laughs> op-ed, and he's like, yes, yes, continue to support NATO at your will. <laughs> no, he read that, including democratic nations in Europe, and, and he's like, I'm in Europe. <laughs> I'm a democratic nation. I'm a democratic nation. I was elected by 98% turnout at 98% approval. <laughs> oh, wait, did we release that three days before the vote? Fuck. <laughs> he's, he's actually just like, uh, I'm a democratic nation in Europe, but if someone wrote this in my country, I would kill them. Yeah, yeah. If, if, if anyone publishes a newspaper in my country, they're immediately executed, but I'm a democratic actually, nation. Actually, he'd say, I'm not, I'm not gross. I don't murder them like the Saudis. I just put them in jail indefinitely. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, as always, you can check us out at Twitter at Red Star Over OK. Our subreddits are Red Star Over Oklahoma. You can listen on SoundCloud and iTunes. Our, our, to contact us, to give us any questions, complaints, concerns, you can check us out. You can send us an email at redstaroverok at gmail.com. As always, tell your friends and rate and review on iTunes. Thanks, guys. Bye.